Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, everyone? Jason here for another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned. Today, we are talking about training mistakes. There are a lot of mistakes people make, and I've talked about kind of the basics of doing too much high intensity training, not enough assistance work, layering programs. That's a question I get all the time. What can I do on top of this program? Can I add X, Y, and Z? Can I do an extra accessory program? Can I do an aerobic capacity program? The answer is invariably no, because if you want the most results from a training program, you got to follow that program. Makes sense, right? If you layer programs, then you're likely going to miss the boat and you might get subpar results from both programs. That's another topic. And it's certainly a mistake. But I think what I want to talk about today with you guys is just really kind of some of the more common things that I see and ways that we can avoid that. So if you're a coach and you're dealing with pushback from clients, or maybe you're just an individual looking to optimize their training, there are some really important things to consider. So the first one will be just considering overall stress levels. We are chronically stressed out as a society. And I think that if we're being mindful of our stress levels outside of the gym, then it would be really important to consider how we train in the gym. And if you are chronically stressed out, then do you need to do more high intensity training? Give you a quick story. When I was deployed, this is back in 2010 to 2011. I started off, I think I I, uh, got to Afghanistan. I weighed around 195 pounds, which is kind of the normal weight for me. You know, 190 to 200 pounds is, is kind of where I usually sit. And, you know, everything started off well. I didn't, you know, notice that I was losing strength or my fitness was suffering. And let's see, fast forward October, I think December is when I realized that I was dropping weight. And I forget when exactly it was, but I remember getting on the scale and being like 170 pounds. So obviously 25 pounds of of loss is quite a bit. Now, if you factor in subpar eating, not getting sleep, you know, it's a recipe for losing muscle mass, right? I think that I was losing it at an even faster rate just because I was stressed out. And then when I started to notice that I was losing a ton of weight, it almost just exacerbated the condition that I was, uh, you know, the condition that I was in. So I thought that, and this was, again, this was before I had uh, any formal education in terms of, of the nervous system and understanding how the body responds to stress. I thought that I could just out-train it. So instead of taking the opportunity to sleep when I had opportunities to sleep, I went to the gym. I uh, did a new training program. I did high, more high-intensity sessions. I did everything you basically shouldn't do. And not only did I find myself worse off, but the weight loss didn't stop. I think I leveled out around 168, 170 pounds. When I came home, it was pretty noticeable that I was a different person, more ways than one, physically and mentally. And I remember being in uh, the supermarket, seeing someone that I knew from my commercial gym days of being a personal trainer, and they didn't even recognize me. They're like, holy crap, did you uh, did you like lose half of yourself? You know, in so many words, yes, I did. But my point being is that you just think that if you're losing or you're not getting better or you're going backwards, then you can essentially just add more and you'll get better, right? That's kind of the common misconception that if we just add more, we'll continue to get results. And we know that the human body doesn't work that way. And we know that there's a point of diminishing returns. So long story short, 
if you are chronically stressed out and you just think you're going to add more high intensity training, probably going to be a recipe for disaster. It might not happen right away, but it will eventually happen. And this is one thing I see with, you know, the standard CrossFit programming where it's high intensity training on a daily basis and they, they just don't even differentiate one workout from the next. And, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, well, I'll just, we'll just do a strength only day. And, you know, strength only sessions are very demanding too in the nervous system. So if you're just doing high intensity training, one form or another, then there is going to be a trade-off at some point or another. So doing high intensity training too often is something we can avoid. And the way we avoid that is we make sure that we prioritize recover, recovery between those sessions. So if we do a max effort squat on Monday, that's a high intensity session. When should our next high intensity session be? Probably not for another couple of days, two to three days at best. But normally if we're doing a lower session, a lower max effort session on Monday, the next lower intensive session wouldn't be till Thursday or Friday. So make sure you're just spreading those sessions out. If you're a trainer, you should be making sure that you're building in recovery between those sessions. Now, what do we do between those sessions? That's something that, that we can certainly delve into. Doing aerobic work, doing assistance exercises, accessory exercises, whether it be you know single joint exercises or some band work. How I structure a typical week of programming using kind of a functional conjugate X conditioning split is doing two lower days, two upper days. They're spread out by 72 hours and making sure that in between those, we've got a nice diversity of GPP work, aerobic work, use the cardiac output method, which uh, you can read about on my site, um, using some type of strongman style conditioning or mixed modality that's, again, more longer duration, more sustainable work. And it's gonna allow you to not only facilitate recovery, build the aerobic system, which is another, another vehicle to improve recovery, but it's gonna also ensure that you're not doing too much intensity on back-to-back -back sessions. So that would be the first thing. Make sure if you are stressed out or you just, you know, maybe you have a stressful career or just a stressful life overall, you should be prioritizing low intensity training. That's it in a nutshell. And, you know, high intensity training can come, you know, strategically, but it needs to be spread out across the week and not done on back-to-back -back days. Next point, I think this is something that I see a lot of people do is changing programs too often. If you're changing, uh, changing programs too often, then it's really going to be tough to see for you to see what works. It's also going to be tough to make sure that you're not doing high intensity training sessions on back to back days. So stick to a program, get yourself a great program, do it for, I would say at a minimum of six weeks, as long as 12 weeks. Sometimes you get into a program and you know that it's a mismatch out of the gate. Most people are smart enough to know that if you're experienced, you're smart enough to know what works for you and what doesn't. And I will tell you from personal experience that there are times where something is just a mismatch in terms of personality. You might do a training program that is just not a, not the right fit because of your personality. Maybe you're very type A and you want a lot of variability, or maybe you're more type B and you just want to do kind of the same thing for a longer period of time. Those are things that are important to consider when choosing the right training program. It doesn't have to be super complex though. And you know, chances are, if you're, you're listening to my podcast, you probably know about the conjugate method of training. You probably know about CrossFit. You probably know about powerlifting and you're probably pretty serious. So having some variability, but in a structured way where there's some novelty to what you're doing is going to be important. And then again, having all of these other tenets of great programming that we're going to talk about now are going to be the thing that allows you to stay healthy and not overtrain. So stick with the program. Again, it's kind of a range. I wouldn't, if you are doing something on week one and you're like, wow, this is just the wrong program, 
I hear that a lot from people that take on programs that are geared at kind of the competitive CrossFit athlete. That's There's so many of those services out there. And more times than not, they're probably not the right fit for the large majority of the population. If you want to compete in CrossFit, then great. But the person that wants to compete in CrossFit is probably not going to be the person that is going to use kind of more of a functional hypertrophy style program. All right. So make sure that the program is the right fit for you. Give it time to work and uh, don't change the program or don't try to layer other programs on top of that. Follow that one program. Another thing that I see is simply not doing enough accessory work. We know that doing triceps extensions and doing, you know, upper back work, I, I, don't know, I would actually say upper back work is, is pretty sexy. But again, if you think about things that are smaller exercises, single joint exercises, they're not as success, uh, sexy as their bilateral counterparts. And because of that, you know, that's not the thing that's going to get you likes on social media. If you're going to post doing bandit pull aparts, probably not going to get you a ton of likes. If you post doing, you know, a bigger pattern or something that's more sexy, maybe it's a, maybe it's some type of Olympic lifting variation, you're going to probably get more views on that than you would a banded pull apart. But we know that the latter has its place and it's going to allow you to continuously develop where you're weakest and not create more compensation patterns. So make sure you are doing accessory work. We talk about accessory work being kind of more general and uh, assistance work being more specific to a given lift. So accessory work can be anything that is just your standard hypertrophy work in the eight to 15 rep range could even be higher if you wanted it to be depending on what you're going for uh, but smaller exercises that isolate smaller muscle groups and allow you to correct asymmetries and therefore make you more balanced so when you do do the bilateral work you're not in a position to potentially get injured because of some type of compensation pattern so spend the amount of just a fair amount of time doing that work uh, you've probably heard me talk in the past about something Louis taught me, which is the 80-20 rule, 80% special exercises, 20% classic lifts. I still think that that is incredibly valid and something that I still adhere to, you know, even experimenting with different percentages and going different directions. And that's something that I think a lot of people want. They want to use more bilateral lifts because it's more, they want to use a secondary lift because it's more sexy. But if you spend the majority of your time focusing on the smaller stuff, it will lend itself to the bigger stuff. Okay, so that's another thing that you should be mindful of. As far as other things, where are people making mistakes in terms of their training programs, in terms of just their programming? I would say probably one of the bigger things is not having a system of recovery post-training. Doesn't have to be complex. You can do some parasympathetic breathing, which is just breathing that is geared at driving the parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for rest and recovery. Doing that before leaving the gym, it gets really easy to just get done with your training session and call it a day, get on to whatever you got to do. I'm on my wife about this all the time. I'm on myself about it because to be honest, I don't like doing it. I'd rather get on to what I have next or, or, um, you know, more times than not, I'm finishing up my training as my kids are coming home from school and daycare. So it's, it's tough to lay on the floor for five minutes and focus on my breathing. But one other thing that I've implemented is cold water immersion. This is a time where I can de-stress. I can be present. I can't, I'm in a, you know, a cold tub, so I'm not going to go anywhere. And it is a, a moment in time that I can spend five minutes focusing on my breathing and down-regulating stress. Managing stress is what it's all about. A lot of the things I've talked about here on this podcast are about managing stress, whether it be doing, 
you know, less bilateral work and more unilateral work, whether it be about structuring your training week in a way that facilitates recovery, whether it be about including more aerobic work, the end of the day, this entire thing can be summed up into one sentence. And that is managing stress is the key element of good programming. That's what great coaches are, are able to do. They're able to manage stress and know when to stress you out and when to kind of dial back the intensity and build recovery. So if you could do that, that's going to be the thing that keeps you healthy, keeps you getting progress and, and keeps you feeling motivated to train. That's another downside to overtraining is people just losing motivation. And usually people will just chalk it up to maybe they're not into the style of training that they're using anymore, but I think it's a classic sign of overtraining. And I would say that most people that uh, are just chronically stressed out and maybe they're doing a high intensity training plan, they're overtraining. They don't know it. I get people all the time on Instagram, you know, disagree and say people are not training that hard. I would, I would agree. I don't think most people are probably training at their actual limit, but if they are already stressed out by their lifestyle, then does that really matter? If they can downregulate stress levels, if they can manage stress within their training better and then push strategically, like I said, on those days that are meant to be high intensity, then they're going to get more. Now, if you're not pushing on the hard days, that's another issue. Okay. But I don't think for most that that's the issue. I think for most it's doing too much intensity, not being mindful of their current stress levels outside of the gym. And most people I work with are coming from a background where they're pushing themselves. They're coming from CrossFit. They're coming from, you know, maybe they were a competitive athlete and they're a parent now, and they're just looking to maintain some of their competitive edge. I don't work with a lot of people that are not accustomed to pushing themselves. Those are just the ten, the type of people that I gravitate towards anyways, as a coach. So I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that don't push themselves hard, but anyone I work with any of the, of the 43 guys that I work with on everyday hero, these guys are pushing themselves and we see evidence of it every day when they're posting videos. I see evidence of it in, in our private group. So I'm sure it's the case for many, but you know, again, going back to the personality aspect of things, most people that are type A are accustomed to pushing themselves. And unfortunately they actually push themselves too hard too often. So again, this is coming from my experience of two decades doing this and working with individuals that are really accustomed to pushing themselves. Now, of course, I've encountered people that are not as accustomed to pushing themselves. And that's another topic, but by and large, the people I work with have no problem pushing themselves. And actually, you know, I actually have to reel them in. A lot of times when I start working with someone new, they come to me wondering if it's hard enough. You're not pushing me as hard as my last training program, or am I going to get the results because I'm not working as hard? Or let me rephrase that. I'm not working as hard frequently. And at the end of the day, I always prove to them. I've never had someone come to me and say, you know, you weren't right. So <laughs> the end of the day, they're getting the results and they're working harder, but they're doing it in a way that is going to be more conducive to long-term gains. So as far as kind of other things that I see being issues, one thing I will note that exercise variability is one of those things that, that to me has changed a lot over my career as a coach. I used to believe in changing exercises for every session. Um, I used to believe in only rotating your bilateral lifts on a weekly basis and all that's changed. I've gone in so many different directions with, with how to manage this. And I think that one thing that I have seen is that too much variability is a detriment where people are not moving. They're not improving their movement quality. 
And even with max effort training, I argued for years that max effort training is safe if you vary it weekly. Well, from my experience now, I think that there's still some truth to that, but I think that having too much novelty with max effort training presents another issue because it's novel and people are not accustomed to navigating that movement. So what we typically do to give you an example, if we're going to program a front box squat and we're going to do three weeks of it, it would look something like sub-maximal effort work for the first two weeks and then maybe we culminate on a 1RM. So maybe a 5RM, a 3RM and a 1RM. Or we do some type of cluster work, which is more sub-maximal effort method. But my point being is that instead of rotating on a weekly basis, we're building some exposure to it, we're building movement patterns. And then when we're comfortable, which you know, for most people I work with that have a decent level of experience, two weeks of it, navigating that lift is usually enough time. And then by the third week, they're usually ready to hit it for you know a heavy single or a one RM. I found that to be more prudent than rotating on a weekly basis. As far as assistance exercises, accessory exercises, we rotate those every three weeks. Most of my training programs that you can purchase rotate every three weeks. My CXC program rotates every two weeks, more accustomed to a traditional conjugate split that has a lot of variability. We rotate uh, assistance exercise every two weeks and CXC and the main lifts rotate on a weekly basis, but there's not as many one RMs. There's a lot more sub-maximal effort work just for for longevity purposes, we do mix in one RMs, but there's definitely more sub-maximal effort work in that program. But overall, if you look at a program from me right now, or a program that's coming out that's new, it's gonna have three week wave of the same exercises, both bilateral, both accessory exercises. And that even goes for conditioning as well. I will vary the conditioning week to week in terms of intensity, in terms of overall volume, but as a whole, we're going to see the same movement patterns because I've seen that as the most, it's most beneficial for people in terms of improving movement, getting better with work capacity. They get more comfortable to their own use of energy and how to pace themselves as well as just having enough time with those patterns, but not too much time where they're getting stale. So that is it for today, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. If you are looking to train smarter and you are looking to avoid some of these pitfalls that we talked about today, you can download a free sample of conjugate x conditioning 3x this is a three times a week conjugate split it is an incredibly popular program and reason being is that i find that a lot of people which is another i guess kind of a bonus issue i find it i find that a lot of people are doing programs that are not the right fit most times people think they have more days to train than they actually do i do this all the time myself i do it i see my wife do it all the time where she's like i want to train four days a week but i actually only have three um and i think that you know instead of setting the bar so high a lot of people do better if we set the bar a little bit lower and we prioritize three days a week, three strength sessions a week. Now the program has three optional and I stress optional because again, a lot of people I work with are type A and if I tell them it's mandatory, you know, sometimes that can mentally present setbacks. So there's three optional conditioning sessions, all aerobically demanding, and there are three main strength sessions, a lower an upper and a full body. So essentially, you've got everything you need to get amazing results still using the conjugate system. However, if you can't get the conditioning sessions in, is it going to be make or break? No. Is it going to be better? Yes, of course. But the main crux of the program is the strength work. So let's say you can only do the three strength sessions and maybe you get out for a walk a couple of days a week um, or you're prioritizing your meal prep or whatever the case may be. There's a lot to be gained from this style of training. And I see a lot of people will do it the first time through 
and they'll just prioritize the three strength sessions. And then the second time through, they'll maybe add in an aerobic session. So maybe they've, you know, their schedules opened up and they've added a fourth session. So small incremental gains is what I'm about. That's, that's the best thing for longevity. So this program really has it all. So feel free, download the free sample. Great program and appreciate you guys listening today. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. And be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 